Talofalava, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, or Lo'ingo, or Susana Suisuiki. Coming up, a group of French citizens in New Caledonia want voting rights for provincial elections. Also, the only metric that matters in our community is the financial bottom line. The organiser of an Auckland community event worries for its future. And later on, we meet the 10 football star from Samoa. A group of French citizens in New Caledonia says it'll go to court in France to secure voting rights in provincial elections for about 40,000 people excluded from the current role. The Association of French Citizens of New Caledonia says the restrictions imposed with the 1998 Numea Accord must be lifted because full sovereignty was rejected in three referendums. To take part in provincial elections, voters had to be established in New Caledonia before 1998. The eligibility to vote is a contentious issue as the pro-independence parties refuse to recognise the result of the 2021 referendum as the legitimate outcome of the decolonisation process. The latest development comes after the French Interior Minister, Gerald Daminen, visited the territory last week. Kuroi Hawkins spoke with senior RNZ Pacific journalist Walter Zweifel about Daminen's announcement that pro-independent groups could be willing to agree to a compromise on partially opening up the role. Well, the electoral roles that are the contentious issue at the moment, they were supposed to be changed. And the Minister Daminen said that the FLN case had agreed to negotiate change. Now, earlier it excluded any discussion on the, these roles, but Daminen says according to the FLN case, there would be now a 10-year residency requirement in order to be eligible to vote in provincial elections. Uh, we have to remember that uh, the current system means you have to have been a resident by 1998 in order to be on the list to vote in provincial elections. Uh, when Darmana said that it was uh, hailed as a breakthrough, as a big success in these negotiations between the French state and the FLNKS, two days later the FLNKS said, well, yes, they did agree, but only in the context of finding a schedule for New Caledonia's decolonization. Now, uh, this goes back to the referendum, which, according to the French state and according to French courts, is a legal outcome of the decolonization process. The position of the FLN case is that it's not, that this uh, is uh, politically not acceptable, that you have only a small minority of Canucks were supposedly at the centre of this decolonisation process, take part in a vote and whose fate is now to be decided. So we still have no agreement on the validity of this uh, referendum from 2021, which is the centrepiece of the discussions that are being held over the last uh, 18 months. As well as well as that discussion, Damana also um submitted some documents which are sort of milestones in terms of the new mayor court and and the progress up to this point yes yes there is a sort of like a stock take of what this new mayor court had achieved and uh, while you know many targets were reached uh, there were definitely some failures and it's in, in you know originally the new mayor court was supposed to create a common destiny one people one flag one hymn and so on but many of the things have not eventuated there is 
uh, there is a huge disagreement over the flag, for example. I mean, the CANAC or the FLNK's flag is flown all over the place. I don't think that flag can ever be withdrawn. The other side will fly, fly the tricolor, the French flag. So we have two flags. That issue has not been resolved. Uh, what the, the stock tech also showed was that, uh, you know, instead of bringing these people together, the accord seemed to somehow entrench the two sides and produce rival camps pro and against independence when the original thought was there could possibly be a, some sort of a consensus of a nation building process. Uh, yeah, that was one of the outcomes of this uh, presentation. The other one said that the decolonization process, well, uh, Darmanin said the French state complied with the United Nations regulations, uh, remembering that uh, New Caledonia has been on the list since 1986. Uh, the report noted uh, that uh, the United Nations had been able to send observers uh, uh, before the different referendums to also check the uh, electoral list that were available for the special electoral list for the referendum. So uh, from the French point of view, uh, the referendum process was valid and legal as and that has also been uh, supported by uh, the French courts. Now, the United Nations related International Court of Justice is still to come with its findings on the request by the FLNKS, which says, uh, you know, in the context of a decolonization of a colonized people, this referendum cannot be accepted. So we still have to see what the International Court of Justice has to say. Uh, on balance, uh, after 18 months of discussions um, since the referendum in 2021 has been little progress. Uh, there is no sign yet of any statute that is acceptable. Uh, what seems to happen now is with this push to revise the electoral rolls, uh, France or the French state wants to take it to the French Congress, that is the combined National Assembly and Senate, try to change the constitution to get this provision of the electoral roll out of the Nomia Court into the parliamentary process. And that, of course, can be interpreted from the FLNK side that what was an irreversible achievement through the Nomi Accord means there's going to be a breach of the Accord. Uh, so things are very much in flux. The next round of big talks are due in August in France. There's also talk of uh, President Emmanuel Macron uh, visiting New Caledonia again. Um, the French state has said, well, if the New Caledonians can't agree, then uh, President Macron uh, will make decisions. Going back to the um, electoral role um, issue, the anti-independent side um, want a full opening of the role. Is that their position still coming off the back of Damana's visit? Well, there are different aspects. Yes, there are some groups that want to have an immediate and full opening of the role. For them, the Numia court process was a temporary arrangement that restricted voting rights. Now, for them, the, the outcome of the referendum is clear. Uh, they won, hence, uh, French citizens should have just their normal rights. Uh, this is also a position in part interpreted by, by the French state, which says that it, it's difficult to justify uh, in front of, let's say, European uh, legal systems that you have voters or residents who can't vote, although they've lived here for, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. Uh, the position that Darmana espoused here was that he thought that a seven-year residency period would be right. Uh, the anti-independence party said three years would be an acceptable uh, number of years that you have to live there before you can vote. So it, it, this is also in flux. 
what's interesting though is as well that um, they have, have apparently identified 11,000 people that should have been on the roll that through, uh, you know, let's say quirks of the process are excluded and according to the, the reports among these 11,000 also Kanak people who apparently should have been included in this role uh, used for provincial elections. In New Zealand, Faux Pacifica is outraged over Auckland Council's consideration to slash funding to arts programs. Director Ina Patisolo, who's planning this year's Faux Pacifica Festival, says preparations are taking place under the shadow of uncertainty over whether next year's event will be scrapped. She spoke with Lydia Lewis. Thank you for the opportunity. So the Faux Pacifica Festival in 2023, we have been working with over 100 different collaborators to bring together six days of different experiences. Um, so the events range from a, a, the Faita Otusi Mapusi, um, a, a small book reading of Pacific stories uh, with artist, um, an octogenarian Samoan artist, Pusi Urale, in Moana Fresh. And she reads uh, for an audience of 20. So we start small with Faita Otusi Mapusi, uh, leading up to the finale night, which is our fifth year and um, Poly X night market, uh, food, craft market, with uh, Fia night, which brings together performances um, from different nations, um, and also showcasing our first ever fashion show with uh, Kokana Fashion. So we have a lineup of models, including Maine Queens, uh, in the lineup, and in between, we have our first ever 12-hour polyfilms marathon with filmmakers. Um, actually, we have unearthed uh, Mark II, which is which was touted as the first Pacifica tally series, um, and that ran in 1986. We have Ma- Mitchell Ma- Manuel, who co-wrote it, and he will be part of our filmmakers panel. Um, so we're showcasing films from 1986 to 2023, including the latest hits, Red, White and Brass. Um, we actually, that, that screening um, is actually a really special screening because it's going to be audio described for 60 bus speaker blind and low vision audiences. So that's going to be a first, I think, um, ever. And um, and then the, the, the 12-hour polyfilms marathon starts with, um, because it's in the school holidays, Starts with a Moana sing-along. So there's something for everyone in this festival. And this is an annual event, but you're not certain as to whether or not your funding will be extended to next year. What is your message to the Mayor of Auckland? My message to the Mayor really is that the arts, cultural events such as these, any gathering, any opportunity for Council to support gatherings that really foster community building, foster the celebration of, of our diverse communities and people coming together, eating together, dancing, singing and learning about each other's cultures just yields so much positivity, yields so much, so many benefits to our community beyond dollar signs. So it's just absolutely crucial, especially especially at the moment where communities feel quite fractured. We're living in this awful echo chamber of social media. So we just really want to continue to, to be able to champion voices in our communities. And some of these, uh, some of the artists in our festival are award-winning 
uh, filmmakers and directors and writers. Um, we are hoping to showcase student voice and food of our older mamas and papas. So um, it's a really wide-ranging festival. Has the uncertainty cast a shadow at all over an occasion that is supposed to be vibrant, fun and happy? In preparing for the festival, it has been under the shadow of the kind of equation that the only metric that matters in our community is the financial bottom line and being able to understand where people are coming from, where the journeys that they've taken to come to be living in Aotearoa, the, the struggles, but also the richness and the, and the diversity of, of experiences. To have that not be valued at the council table is really, is really quite heartbreaking um, and, and enraging. So I've been uh, preparing for this festival under the shadow of, um, of a mayor that's uh, you know, ostensibly put up community events and activities and culture and heritage up on the balance against a bottom line with no other options. So, um, yeah, so that's been really disappointing and it's made preparing for the festival all the more important and all the more important to you know, find different voices to showcase and elevate. Samoa's champion club Kiwi FC have captured the hearts of audiences at the Oceania Football Women's Champions League tournament in Papua New Guinea. New Caledonian team AS Academy Feminine won the inaugural competition which ended last year. Final Fonoa has more. Samoa's Kiwi FC entered the competition at the bottom of the table, losing all four of their games. But despite the results, the team who entered the competition as underdogs became fan favourites for the passion and determination they displayed. The star attraction for QEFC was 13-year-old Florencina Khalifa. In a tournament where players are mainly aged 20 and over, Florencina managed to score a goal against eventual finalists, Solomon Islands club Koloale FC. Florencina says she wasn't intimidated by her older and more experienced opponents. Florencina says she's honored by the support she's received. My family are very excited that I'm playing soccer. They're ecstatic that I've got the chance to play in Papua New Guinea. They've been very supportive. During the competition, the team visited schools where they met with students and teachers. QEFC coach Leti Tamasese says the competition has provided invaluable experience for her young team. Tamasese says it's a boost in motivation for her players. That's the spirit we, we, we brought here. Um, no matter what, never, never, never lose hope. Keep on going and keep on fighting. You know, push harder and, um, you know, train hard and make sure you come here. You are well prepared in terms of fitness and all those. I think that's the other um, uh, downfall for our team is our fitness. Uh, this tournament uh, motivated them to be better. The FIFA Women's World Cup kicks off on the 20th of July. That's Pacific Ways for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. You can also download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts from. So from myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, so far so far.